Thank you, Brandon. Lift team, grateful. We've often heard that it is said that a person can live about 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Hope is what brings us from despair to gladness. Hope carries us like the wind from discouragement to freedom. Hope is what lifts a wayward teen to help her find purpose and acceptance. Hope shelters the heartbroken widow after losing the love of her life. Hope is what keeps us one more day, one more week, one more month, and one more year. Hope is what shines the light of forgiveness into the dark shadows of a bitter heart. Hope delivers the fearful into a courageous freedom. Easter Sunday for the believer, for the Christian, is ultimately a celebration of hope. I met a man this past week who made our way here, made his way here to this ministry, bewildered and confused, struggling and broken, basically at the end of his rope asking for prayer for him and for his family. And he said, the Lord is our only hope. There are others who walk through a shadowy maze of confusing diagnoses, mind-numbing treatments, options, Hope gets them up every day with a confidence that God is there. Hope is real. It's unseen. It's unexplainable, but it's real and it's powerful. And the only reason we have hope today, anyone has hope today, whether it is acknowledged or not, is because God in human form left heaven, humbled himself, transformed himself to become human willingly obeyed, took the form of a servant, suffered and died on the cross, satisfying the righteous demands of a perfect, all-knowing, holy, and compassionate creator of greater God for the payment of sin's offense. This one humbled himself and made a way for you and for me to have hope today. Yesterday there was hope in the home of Bill and Judy Ming. There was confusion there was despair, there was shock and chaos, there was enormous grief, but there was hope because of Christ, because of Easter. Praise his glorious name. But there's so much more to hope than the completion of Christ's death. Monumental and wholly satisfying as it was to God, there was more, so much exceedingly more. And I want us to see that this morning by looking at a couple of different passages. First of all, John chapter 2 and then Philippians chapter 2. But first, a scene early on in Jesus' ministry that I'd like us to read together. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 2. If you do not, there are some Bibles throughout the worship center near you that you can use or follow along with someone. 
as we read together this story, starting in verse 13 of John chapter 2. John writes, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables to those who sold doves. He said, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. I love this moment, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He makes his way to Jerusalem. He goes straight to the temple, having just performed a crazy miracle at this wedding, turning water into wine. And now he's in the temple, the place, the ordained place of worship, and he finds a flea market. And in his rage, he starts to create this scene. He, he, he makes a whip out of rope and he starts to drive these merchants out of the temple and he literally turns these tables over and chains. Money goes all over the floor, clanging everywhere. And it's an enormous scene of just chaos. And it's at that moment, John says, the disciples brought up a file from the Old Testament scriptures and they remembered the psalmist said, zeal for my house will consume me. That was word. Word. What are the gifts that God has given to us in times of chaos and despair and confusion is word. Word brings hope. Living, powerful, penetrating, divinely inspired truth from God, from heaven into earth, it's word, and it brings hope. It brings perspective. The disciples in the midst of this crazy scene bring up word, and they said, this is it. This is how it applies. This is how it makes sense. There's hope in word. The Jews responded, verse 18, to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Now they're standing in this magnificent edifice built by human hands. And Jesus says, you destroy this and I'll raise it up in three days. Is that enough of a sign? And they replied, what? It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? Look at the perspective of these religious leaders. All they were thinking about was the building. This was their experience of God and religion. It was the anchors, and it was the foundation, and it was the, the hewn stone, and, 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 and the carved etching of wood, <clears throat> and all of the relics that surrounded them, and all they could think about was it took us a generation to build this place, and you're going to destroy it and raise it back up. You must be out of your mind. You see, that's religion. That's what religion offers us. 
temples, buildings, surroundings, relics, rituals. It takes a generation to build that stuff. And Jesus said, I'm not talking about that temple. John says, he was talking about his body. You know what also brings hope? Not just word. Person. The Bible says, word became person and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Do you need hope this morning? Are you feeling confused and doubting and skeptical, broken at the end of your rope, at the end of your scene? Here's what you need. You need word and you need a person. This word became flesh. He dwelt among us and he's alive and that is hope. Yesterday in that home, Bill and Judy Ming, you need to know that in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of that sorrow and confusion and enormous shock and despair, there was hope because there was word and there was person. Jesus, the body of Christ, was there. He's alive. Now, there's another story or another passage that kind of relates to that. So kind of hold your finger in John 2 and go over to Philippians chapter 2. This was the real. This was the dramatic experience. Now we want to have a little bit of a theological reflection on how this all works. This is from the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted Jesus. He came. The Word became flesh. The Word became person, dwelt among us, lived, served, performed enormous miracles in His power, then suffered. His body was broken. He shed His blood. He gave up His spirit on the cross, and His body was laid into a dark, damp tomb and sealed 
And then God began a work. A mysterious work. It was an unseen work that resulted ultimately in Christ being raised from the dead. And in that raising, the scripture says, God exalted him and gave him a name that is above every other name. That at that name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he sat him. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Hope comes from word. Also, hope comes from person. The person of Jesus Christ, who is exalted by God the Father and is now seated at his right hand. Are you not weary of the religious struggle? Have we not yet grown tired enough of the vain attempts to satisfy our soul's efforts with things and with stuff and human achievements and approval and all of these other things? Have we not gone long enough in the human experience to know we are bankrupt in our ability to make ourselves right before God? Listen, Easter is for you. In the resurrection... The Bible says that God raised Jesus to the highest place and seated him in the heavenlies, seated at his own right hand. Word became person. Person became exalted Lord. And that is your hope today. Now, there is a mysterious passage that I want to read for you, and I think we've been here before, but it is fitting for us to go there again. You don't have to turn here, but I would like to read it. It comes from Peter's <coughs> epistle, 1 Peter chapter 3. Because this work of exalting took Jesus lower still. Once he was lifted from the cross and entombed in that stone, in all of that darkness, his spirit did not remain in that tomb, but he was in motion, and he went lower still. Listen to these words of Peter. Verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. His body died. His spirit was made alive in the grave. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, that's religion, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has now gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. In his death, Though in his spirit, made alive by God, <coughs> Jesus descended to the underworld of the spirit and preached gospel to captives. Living spirits of those di who died in unbelief. Can you imagine the scene in that dark foreboding place of the underworld where these souls had been long imprisoned? 
without hope, sorrowful and regretting not having heeded the warnings of Noah, the witness of truth, and all that darkness and despair, and suddenly a light breaks in from above, the eerie lowering of a diver's lamp into the murky waters of the deep. And in closer view comes Jesus, the sovereign Lord of the universe. Arresting the darkness, commanding the attention and alertness of the demonic hosts and preaches grace and truth and sets captives free. He went lower. word became person dwelt among us and suffered placed in a tomb and his spirit went active went deeper still set captives free is that low enough for you is that enough for you Are you at your lowest place that he has not gone lower still? And it's at that moment, Scripture says, Paul looks at it with this great genius theological mind and says, God exalted him from the lowest place, exalted him up through the grave, out of the tomb, that's resurrection, but that's only a part. It's what we celebrate today. But he kept going, and now he was exalted, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. If that isn't hope, that's hope. Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's resurrection. From that lowest place, because Christ humbled himself and was obedient and took the lowest position, God exalted him from the depths of the earth and placed him in the highest places, gave him the highest name above heaven and on earth, and exalted him to that place. Stephen saw him there. I was reading the book of Acts this past week just to kind of refresh my mind about some of the, the, the martyrs of the early church as we've watched the horror of our own brothers and sisters around the world, their lives being snuffed out because of their allegiance to Christ. This young persecuted follower of Jesus, Luke tells us, as his body was being pummeled with stones, his skull ripped open, his breath leaving his, his lungs. At that moment, Luke says that Stephen looked up and he looked and he saw Jesus standing Next to the Father. <laughs> Paul just told us that when God exalted him, he was seated next to the Father. 
So I take it in this moment as Stephen is about to give up his life for the cause of the gospel, Jesus stands in honor of his sacrifice. Is that high enough for you to cause you to believe? That ought to put our petty little worlds in perspective, don't you agree? And it's at that name that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he reigns. He reigns in the heavens and in the earth. Now to John chapter 2. Back to our opening passage. Verse 20, they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. Now watch this. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. That's word. And then they believed the scriptures. That's word. And they believed in Jesus. That's person. That's hope. They made their way to the tomb. They followed the ladies, guys. <laughs> Just saying. It was empty. His body was gone. They looked and they brought up a file. They remembered word. John says they remembered what he said. They remembered word. And they believed. They believed. The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your ears. It is all around you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's resurrection. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the exalted Lord God, creator, savior, shall be saved. When you pray in Jesus' name, you are praying in his exalted name, acknowledging his sovereign, comprehensive rule over your life. Jesus, oh, how sweet the name. Powerful, formidable, enduring, and awesome name that is Jesus. His word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. He lived, he served, he suffered, 
and he died. This is person. God highly exalted him and placed him at his right hand. And that is our hope. Listen, folks, there may be somebody here that is here this morning for the very first time, or maybe it's just the only time you've been here all year. Someone has invited you. You've sensed their nudging. Listen, we are not inviting you to a place. We are not inviting you to a temple or an edifice or a religious experience. We are inviting you to taste and see that the Lord is good, to experience His Word, His living Word, that is active and powerful and penetrating and brings healing and hope and kindness and forgiveness and peace. And we are inviting you to a person who is the risen Savior God. His name is Jesus, and he is seated at the right hand of God, and he is praying for you. What shall we say to these things, says the Apostle Paul in Romans? What shall we say? What shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He not also now graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Can I pause right there and ask, is there anyone here who needs prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer? You need to know that the risen, sovereign creator of the universe is seated at the right hand of the Father this morning and He is praying for you. That's hope. That's word. And that is person standing for God with your name, your file, Representing you before Almighty God. What a magnificent message from the Word of God this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall terrorists, shall trouble, shall hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise His name. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth and He lived and served and suffered and died and God has highly exalted this person and now has given Him the name that is above every name and He is seated at the right hand of the Father for you. So, Will you bow your life? Will you surrender your will?
Will you bring him your marriage? Will you let go of your struggle, your broken dreams, and surrender them to him and to him alone? Is he your savior today? Maybe you say, well, yes, he's my savior. But your life betrays that he is not your Lord. He has saved you, yes, but you have not yet exalted him to his rightful place in your life. So what are you clinging to? What do you still own? Your time? Your past? Your future? Your children? Your body? What is it that is not yet his? For he is exalted. And he is alive. And having been confronted with word and person this morning, there is only one and one worthy response, and that is to humble yourself and bow. And to go to your knees in humble adoration and surrender and confess him as Savior and Lord. Today is the day of salvation for you. I want everyone who has their confidence in the Lord Jesus for their eternal destiny to bow in prayer and call upon his name for the one who has not yet surrendered their will to own him as Savior and Lord. Ask God in his grace and goodness to remove all remaining barriers so that this one might come and say yes to word and to this person, Jesus Christ. To believe the word and to believe in the person of Jesus they might be saved. Let's bow together. Lord God of heaven, how we thank you in Jesus' name for our salvation, for the work that you finished on the cross and that you accomplished in exalting Jesus to the highest place. Open hearts this morning. Bring faith to those who have not yet believed that they might be saved. In the exalted name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, amen. We want to invite you to him this morning. If you've not let, yet placed your trust in Jesus as your savior, today is the day of salvation. We want to invite you to come, to just bow, bow your knee. You're gonna eventually want to do it on Easter Sunday. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. Let him open your heart. Receive him. Receive this salvation that is yours. Come to Jesus this morning. Bring your family. Bring your marriage. Bring your children. Bring your future. <laughs>
Bring your hurting past to Jesus, the exalted, risen Savior, and let him save you. Let him heal you. Come to him. Come to him as we stand and sing. Sound. 
celebration of our resurrected Jesus. So let's keep it going.
So mark your calendars.